Let's Get Down to Business is a production of Money Honey Media. All advice discussed in this production is general in nature and should not be applied to your personal circumstances without first consulting the advice of a tax professional. Hi everyone, I'm Jen McCauley and welcome to Let's Get Down to Business. Today I thought I would talk to you about car allowances. Car allowances are something that I often get a question from from a lot of my clients who may be either offering them to their staff or a staff themselves and are receiving a car allowance. And there seems to be a little bit of confusion about the difference between a car allowance and providing a car at work, which would then be subject to fringe benefits tax. So how about we have a little bit of a chat about the differences and hopefully that will help you to understand what's the best for your staff or what's the best for you if you're offered a car allowance. So typically a car allowance is offered to a staff member who is going to be driving their car a lot for work. And when I say a lot for work, I mean not driving it to and from work, but driving it around while they're working. So it's typical for industries that might have sales representatives because they're obviously out on the road a lot, real estate agents and other such sorts of businesses that do require quite a lot of travel for the people who are working for them. What the car allowance does is it actually puts the onus back on the employee, not the employer, to keep records about the business usage of the of the vehicle. And it does also allow the employee to choose their own vehicle, to have um, to maintain their own vehicle, and it's actually their vehicle. So they don't, you know, if they want to use an older vehicle and keep the allowance for other money, then they can. So it gives the employee a little bit more control over what they're doing with their money. So a car allowance is typically paid similar to a salary and it's usually paid as part of your salary. So when you get your pay slip, it will say that you have been paid your normal salary and then there's a certain amount that's paid on top of that. Usually they seem to be around the ten dollars to $15,000 mark. Um, and again, it, there's no really hard and fast rule on this. If it goes much above that, it's going to be very difficult for the employee to justify a, a large amount of claim back uh, when they do their tax return, which we'll talk about in a minute. However, if you were um, someone who was getting expecting your staff member to do an extensive amount of driving so that they'd be using an awful lot of fuel, then maybe you'd want to look at increasing that for, to a higher rate. So when the money is paid, it's paid into your account just like your pay is and uh, it's just on top of your pay. The taxing situation is something that confuses a lot of people. So an allowance, no matter what kind of allowance it is, is actually taxable income to the employee. The employee, when they do their tax return, will have that figure as income and then they would have to claim on the other side of it any expenses that relate to that allowance as a tax deduction. So as a tax preparer, I look at this and I see allowances and it always triggers to me, do I need to ask a question about some expenses that they may not have raised for for me? So if I see a travel allowance, I'll ask, what's that about? You know, have you, is that about you being away from work for, and having to travel interstate? Or if I see meal allowances, the same thing, I'll ask those questions. And clearly, if there's a car allowance, then we need to ask questions about the car. 
and see how we can claim that. Now, this is different to what we call a fringe benefit kind of car, which means that the car is actually owned by the employee, sorry, the employer, the business, the business provides the car to the employer, into the employee, I'm getting away employees and employers mixed up. The business provides the car and they take responsibility for the expenses relating to the car. They would then have to, at the end of the year, assess if there's a fringe benefit that is related to that car. And if so, they'd have to provide a fringe benefit tax uh, return and, and pay the tax. The other thing that is also in that same realm is what people call salary sacrificing arrangements for cars and there are quite a lot of those around. So when you uh, want to salary sacrifice a car through your business or through your employer, you would arrange generally to have it done as something like a novated lease where the business pays that lease on your behalf as a pre-tax deduction and they will typically then have some sort of arrangement of a post-tax deduct, uh, post deduction out of your pay to bring that back to square so that there is no fringe benefit involved in that. It's a little bit a little bit tricky to understand, but if you are if you are getting a car under under a salary sacrifice arrangement, you can't then go and claim any deductions for that car in your tax return because essentially you're double dipping. So the salary sacrifice arrangement is giving you a upfront tax deduction so you can't go and claim it again. So that's the difference. So I guess the two things there that make it different is one is who, who retains ownership of that car. So if it's a fringe benefit, the ownership is by the business. If it's a car allowance, the ownership is by the employee. And if it's a salary sacrifice arrangement, it's probably a bit of a mixture of both. So a novated lease means that the lease is in the name of the employee, in the employer. So it's their business that holds the lease. But the word novated means that the employee is named on that lease and that at the point in time that that employment arrangement ceases, the lease gets novated back to the employee so they can take the car with them. Now, there are a few things to do with fringe benefits that we can talk about or we probably have talked about before because uh, we seem to always talk about fringe benefits tax and I don't really want to go into that too much this time. So we're going to mainly just talk about the car allowances today. So if you do get a car allowance, uh, the first thing that I always hear people ask if you're a business or even if you're the employer, employee is, is this taxed? And of course, we just talked about the fact that it's taxable income, which means that, yes, it will be subject to tax. And a lot of people think, but yes, that's going to be used to buy my car and I'm going to be spending it on all sorts of things. And so I can get it tax free because it won't make any difference in the long run. And in some respects, that's totally correct. The problem is that it's not up to you or your, your employer to determine if this is a tax free payment. So if you do get a car allowance and you do want the tax to be um, taken away so that you don't actually have tax paid on that or you don't have tax withheld on that payment, you have to apply to the ATO for what's known as a POYG withholding variation. Now, it's like a mini tax return that you do. Uh, you can go online and have a look and see what these um, POYG withholding variations look like. And there are some simplified ones that you can do if it's just something simple like a a car allowance that uh, so you don't have to go in and do as much work as you would have to do in other circumstances where you might want to where you're withholding tax 
And those circumstances could include things like having rental properties. So those of you who have rental properties, um, often that's a, like they'll talk about how it's only going to affect you by $30 a week by having this rental property. And usually those sorts of things are taking into account that you would withhold your, you would vary your withholding amount. And you can do that. Uh, if my recommendation to anyone, whether it's being a car allowance or um, rental property negative gearing or anything like that, is only do it if you really have to. If you can get by with your car allowance being taxed and you can still manage to get through, when you do your tax return, if you've then spent that car allowance on the things that we're meant to have spent it on, which is the car, and you have all your records correct, then you're going to end up with a really nice tax return. Uh, and the same with negative gearing on a rental property. If you don't with vary your withholding and you do have negative gearing, you'll probably end up with a decent tax refund. And you can then use that for something that you will really might see some benefit out of. So you might want to use that money to pay down your home mortgage in you know a lump sum payment or you might want to go and buy something that you've been you know hoping to buy with that money and it seems a little bit more tangible when it's in one lump sum as opposed to just a small difference every week or every fortnight or whenever it is that you get paid and which would probably just get easily spent on stuff that you haven't even really taken any notice of. So if you do want to do a PAYG withholding variation, there are links on the ATO website on how to do it. You have to do one every year so you can't just do one now and that will last forever. It's it's a yearly thing and it gets to a point in time where they won't even look at it and that's around May. So I'm recording this at the beginning of May, end of April. So if you're looking at doing your withholding variations, I would probably suggest you wait till next year, next financial year and, and do it then. And when you do that, they will want to see things like pay slips to know how much you get paid, how much is withheld. And then they write back to your employer and tell them a new rate of withholding for your pay. And that will then allow, you know, you get to get taxed in a different manner. But as an employer, even though people might say that, you know, it's okay, just with it, just vary it, just don't take tax out of that allowance. You really need to be mindful of the fact that the ATO have stated that they you can't vary the withholding rate unless you've received an official variation notice from the ATO. So you, it's not your choice. It's the ATO's choice as to whether that can be varied. And I just have been noticing a lot more activity on payroll from the ATO recently, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is something else that they might bring into their into their bucket of things that they can you know attack small business on uh, so if you are offering a car allowance make sure you have those variation notices on file and only vary if that's the case now if you are getting a car allowance the essential most essential thing you can possibly do is keep a logbook and we're when you have a look at a logbook and how it can be kept, it's quite a specific way that you, you have to keep your records. So it's not a case of just sitting there and writing on a piece of paper, I've done this or that. It's actually sitting there and recording for a period of time exactly what your patterns of travel are. You need to record the odometer reading um, at the beginning of the trip, the reason for the trip, the date of the trip, the odometer reading at the end of the trip as well. So there is a guideline on the ATO website of how to keep a logbook and you have to have at least kept it for 12 weeks and that 12 weeks should be representative of your normal travel 
if you um, just stack it for 12 weeks and then the ATO come back and look at it and say, well, that doesn't seem really representative of your normal travel patterns, they can just disregard that logbook. So it's really important that you do keep that. If your travel does vary a fair bit, you're probably better to keep a logbook for the full year and that way you're going to actually find a probably a more consistent rate that will apply and probably hopefully maximize your your deductions as a result. If you don't have a logbook, we have no other choice but to claim the set rate method. And the set rate method is based on a 72 cents per kilometer amount. The problem with the set rate method is that it's capped at 5,000 kilometers. So the 72 cents is for this current financial year that we're in now, prior to 2020-2021, the rate was 68 cents per kilometer. So in this new financial year that we're just about to finish, the most that we can claim under the set rate method is going to be $3,600. Now that's great if you're just doing a bit of periodic travel here and there. Uh, that's actually a really good thing. And of course, you have to be able to justify those 5,000 kilometers. It's not just a, well, I can claim 5,000 kilometers, I claim it. You have to have a way to explain how you would have done 5,000 kilometers or whatever amount of kilometers you're going to travel underneath that. But if you're doing a lot of work and driving extensively where you know if you're a sales rep or something like that you're going to probably do a lot more than 5,000 kilometers and if you're going to get a car allowance at say $10,000 and only going to be able to claim $3,600 of it there's obviously a pretty significant gap there that has just happened because you just haven't been bothered to keep your logbook. So make sure the logbook is the most important thing in your list of things to do and then you can claim everything in relation to that logbook, in relation to the business proportion of the car. So once you've done your logbook, let's say that the business percentage of the car came up at 80%. That means we can claim 80% of your fuel, 80% of your registration and insurance, 80% of your repairs, 80% of the depreciation on the car, 80% of any interest on any loans for the car. And if you were leasing the car as opposed to buying the car, you could also claim 80% of the lease payments. So it's either principal and sorry, it's either depreciation and interest that you're claiming or you're claiming lease payments. One thing with regard to depreciation of motor vehicles is that the ATO has a limit on how much they accept as a car cost for depreciation purposes. And that limit currently is $59,136. If you go above that limit, of course you can buy a car more than that, but it means that you can't depreciate any more than that. And that goes for all types of business car expenses. So if you're in a business and you're looking at doing the instant asset write-off at the moment, 59136 is the maximum that we can claim from a write-off perspective and it's also the most that we can use from a GST perspective. So when you go to claim your GST back, if you're a business, then you're only able to claim back up to that amount, which really means don't go and buy yourself one of those really expensive cars. It's $200,000. It's really not going to be worth it. You're going to not be able to get as great a tax deduction as you think you can and you know 
obviously I'm not telling you you can't buy that, but just be aware that you're not going to get the full tax deduction for that. So when it comes time to tax, to do your tax, you come along with your logbook and you bring all your expenses with you because you hopefully have kept all your records. And of, of course, if you don't have the records, we can't claim these things. So you really do need to make sure you keep your fuel receipts, your um, services, your insurance and registration, all of that stuff. You need to know how much that's cost you. And we then go and add that into your tax return and we claim the deductions for it. So it's quite simple, but if you don't have that logbook, we don't have the ability to do that. Now, just talking about logbooks, the ATO are helping you uh, to keep all this information to make it a little easier for you. And if you haven't already got the ATO app on your phone, I strongly suggest you get it. It's one of those apps that I tend to use regularly, and perhaps that's because I'm a tax accountant, but it does have some really nice features in it that you can help that can help you, whether you're a, an individual taxpayer or a business owner. And one of the things that does allow you to do is it allows you to keep the logbook on that app, which it takes away from a lot of people that stress of, oh, I forgot to write in my logbook and I forgot to, you know, I just, I've lost it, whatever, you know, excuses. There's all sorts of things. The dog ate it. Um, you can actually keep it in your phone and the ATO will accept that as your logbook. So with the logbook in your phone uh, on the ATO app, there's, when you do get that app, there's a, a part of the app called the My Deductions tool. And when you click on that, it gives you the option to add trips in there. And when you do that, it will ask you what the trip was for and the date and all the information that they want to know. You can then use three different methods to measure that trip. So it's a point-to-point -point trip, a GPS trip, so they can follow you on the GPS tracker, or an odometer trip. Uh, I have personally been a little reluctant sometimes to sign up to this app because I thought that what by doing it, I'd have to put all my ATO information into the app. Um, otherwise, I might lose it if I lost my phone. But when I went in to have a look at it today, uh, just to see how it worked, when you uh, enter in and start to use the My, Deduction, My Deductions to tool, it just wants to know where it can back it up to. So it, it's backing it up to a Google Drive that I have, which means that if I did lose my phone, I haven't lost all of the information that I could be putting into that app. So it doesn't actually attach to your tax file number, although you do have the ability to do that as well. My understanding is that if you do attach all of this information through uh, the app and your tax file number, it will download into your tax return into the future. So this my deduction tool, uh, this my deduction tool is actually really handy also for other things like, you know, when you go out and you buy something and you think, oh, well, I should have kept that receipt. Why didn't I keep that receipt? Oh, I'm not so good at keeping receipts. Take a photo of it and store it in the app and it's done and you don't have to worry about keeping the receipt because you've taken a photo of it. So get in, get online and get your uh, MyGov, it's not, sorry, MyGov, it's your ATO app and have a play with the My Deductions tool and see how that helps you. So I guess in essence, if um, you're a business and you're trying to decide whether you should pay your staff a car allowance or get them a car, um, I would probably suggest that a car allowance is more likely to be beneficial to someone who is going to do a lot of travel. There's really very little benefit in paying someone a car allowance who just has to have a car to get to and from work because their logbook is going to be very minimal and they're not going to get 
any particular benefit out of that car allowance, you may as well just increase their salary if that's what you're trying to do. And if you're looking at providing someone with a car because you're just being a generous employee, employer, sorry, then you might want to uh, consider giving them the car and providing the fringe benefit with it uh, if they're not going to be doing that extensive amount of travel. I also think if you're going to be providing a car allowance to your staff member, you really need to make sure they understand what their obligations are with regard to keeping records and how it works in their tax return. If they are done properly, they seem to be a very good tool and most people who I have as clients who get a car allowance still end up getting a reasonable tax refund at the end of the year, even if they have varied their PAYG withholding. And they all seem to understand quite well how the car allowance works. But just make sure that you do understand that and that you are getting the most out of it that you can. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Let's Get Down to Business. Uh, I want to thank once again our executive producer, we might call him that now, Joel Eshman. Uh, he is always very helpful at getting these episodes up on time on the Friday mornings when, when they come out. And of course, you can listen to our episodes on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcast. We also have our blog, which is called Treaty Wax. So if you want to read some of the information about some of these things that I talk about, uh, have a look on our website, tradywags.com.au. And we have our Facebook page, Money Honey Treaty Wags, and we, uh, which you're welcome to become a member of, as well as other Facebook pages such as Trady Wags Alone or Money Honey on, on its own. And as always, these episodes brought to you with the support of my business, which is Jigsaw Tax and Advisory. And if you do need some help with your tax returns uh, or with particularly business tax advice, that's what we're here to do. And we'd love you to get in contact with us. So if you have a look at jigsawtaxandadvisory.com.au, you'll find details on how to get in contact. Have a great week and we look forward to being with you next week. 